more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. With Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel, here for the next couple hours, all about the Winnipeg Jets. Dave M. will be joining us shortly, Drew. Yes. His computer has, we've been having a lot of computer malfunctions the last couple of weeks, but Dave M. should be back in a couple minutes. Speak for yourselves is what I would say. Yeah, it sounds like there's some uh, internet troubles potentially in the uh, River Heights neighborhood where Dave M calls home. So he's here now. We'll see if that ends up uh, staying or working or what it might be. And nonetheless, at least one of us is going to be here for the next couple of hours, probably two, hopefully three. Drew Mendel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. The Jets and a 56.6K connection going for you. (laughs) (laughs) How's that AOL startup dial up? Yeah. Yeah. Boys, not my uh, issue, unfortunately. This is a uh, this is a Shaw situation. I, I called them as Ez drove up. I had his his studio was all ready to go, and I was like, Ezzy, I don't know what's going on, and it's weird because the TV's working, but the internet isn't. So, uh, regardless, I'm using my phone. We're good. I hope I'm coming in clearly. Yeah, you're coming in you clearly, are. guys. I don't know what what's happening this morning, but I also cracked the screen of my iPhone, and it wasn't one of those like little <laughs> cracks. It's like one of those cracks that it like it's like a spider web all over your screen. <laughs> so that's uh, so I might have to go get a new phone at Rogers today. But I don't know, no internet at Dave M's. My phone screen is cracking. We're just not off to a great start. At least we got Spency in the chat here. How did you crack your screen on your iPhone? I mean, I sort of regret asking, but at the same time, I'm also very intrigued by the it's possibility of this answer. I mean, first of all, what phone screen cracking is a good story. I mean, it's 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 literally the same story every time anybody tells it. You just drop your phone. So I just picked up my phone, and I think Ruben was chasing me. I was trying to, you know, see if I had any missed texts. I only had one. It was from you, Drew, saying that you're really just ha- you're truly happy that you've had this many years of friendship with me and and by the way Drew does send me that text a couple times a week it's true uh, but no I just dropped it and it cracked okay well that'll cost you a little bit but uh, nonetheless I wish you well in that yeah. uh, in your efforts to repair that later on during the day also Drew uh, can I borrow a thousand dollars yeah, sure. I'll get that right <laughs> over to you. And any minute now, I'll, I'll send that right over. Just go stand outside in the snow, and I'll, I'll, my guy will pull up uh, any any second now. Uh, as I was saying, it's a matinee affair between the Jets and the Arizona Coyotes. Three o'clock puck drop. We're all about that game this morning, and we'll be all about that game tonight on the Illegal Curve post-game show uh, right uh, around 5.45 or so. So uh, you can make sure to start your day with us, and then or eat breakfast with us right now, and then you'll have dinner with us a little bit later on, uh, and it'll be a day chalk of a legal curve and we'll get into the jets and the coyotes because the coyotes as we talked about briefly on the post game show on uh, thursday night are not a pushover team as they have been in in years past it's a talented team that scores a fair bit and doesn't give up a lot either which is generally speaking i'm no hockey talking expert but i'm pretty sure that's a good recipe for success to score a lot and not give up a ton I wanted to ask you guys this about the Jets, though, right now. I mean, it, it, you know, we're sitting here. We are somehow, some way, an eighth of the way through the season already. So, you know, it, you know, the 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 time to panic is certainly not here yet. But it, there's some things you can learn about these teams. I want to ask you guys this right now: the way they're currently constructed, the way they've been playing so far this year, 
in your estimation right now, what's the ceiling for this Winnipeg Jets team? And what's the floor for this Winnipeg Jets team? We know the five-on-five play has been pretty good. We know the special special teams have been horrific. We know that they've given up 36 goals. A lot of that, their goals against was elevated earlier in the year. They've been bringing it down better lately not so much uh, you know on, on on thursday night but better than it had been to start the year so as i'll start with you what's the ceiling for this winnipeg jets team and then dave i want you to come in with what's the floor for this winnipeg jets team i don't think the ceiling has changed boys like for me the ceiling was second or third in the central i mean i think most people agree the colorado avalanche are the best team in the central and then i think most people will agree that the dallas stars are the second best team and it's not just based on the standings right now it's just based on the quality of talent that those two teams have. So mm-hmm. I don't think the ceiling has really changed, Drew. Like, if you think about, you know, last game, it's a one-goal game. And then obviously, you know, Mason Appleton takes the double minor for high sticking. The Golden Knights score two goals. They go on to win 5-2. But if you look at the Habs game or the Rangers game, the Jets easily could have got two two more points there. I mean, you go back to the season opener, guys, in Calgary, the Jets played a really good game. They could have got a point there. I mean, the Jets could really have four, five, maybe even six more points. And instead of being, what, what's the record? Four, three, and two, four, sorry, four, four, and two. I mean, the Jets could easily be, you know, seven and three or something like that. Six, six, three, and one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Jets could easily have a, a few more points, but I don't think the ceiling has really changed. Like, I think, you know, the, the special teams has been a big, big surprise to me. I didn't think, especially the penalty kill. Like, I'm not saying that I thought the power play would be first in, in the league, but or the PK for that matter, but the penalty kill has really struggled. The Jets are basically giving up a power play goal every single game, um, and we know that how much the power play has struggled. The Jets are, you know, one for their last 17 or one for their last 18. So the special teams, I mean, it's captain obvious to say that they need to be better, but, you know, going back to what you're asking about the ceiling of this team, I still think that the Jets are going to be, you know, right around, you know, 97 to 100 points, and they're probably going to be you know, in that wild card conversation, maybe they get into third in the central. They'd have to go on a pretty good run, I think, to get into first or second. But to me, that's where you're still at. I still think you're the third or fourth best team in the central. Let me ask you this, Dave. So as he you know, articulated very well there, his thoughts about the Jets ceiling and, and, and where they stand after these 10 games. What changes their ceiling? I know I asked you, I want you to talk about the floor and we'll get to that. You know, that'll be the we'll get to that as a follow up. Mm. What changes the ceiling for the Winnipeg Jets? What has to change based on their the way they've been playing? Is it strictly mm. improved special teams, special teams back mm. to the mean? Or is it, uh, it does the roster itself need to change? Well, I'm going to give you a really insightful answer, Drew. It's your special teams have to not suck. <laughs> I mean, seriously, <laughs> like they're you That's can't why you have the, to the illegal curve show, folks. Yes, analysis like that, you'll get nowhere else. But uh, look, you can't have the 30th ranked. PK and you can't have a terrible power play and you could probably get away with one, but you Mm -hmm. can't have both. You can't, you just can't have both. You know, it's like I said, if the, if it's not giving you goals, it can't be giving up goals as well. And look, until the jets special teams improve, they, they're not, this team is going to be in that middling range because you're going to lose games that five on five, you could win. But when you, I mean, look, it's inevitable you take penalties. It's mm-hmm. inevitable you have to kill those penalties or you're going to get a power play and you have to take advantage of that. And if you're not, as we've seen too often throughout the course of the first 10 games of the season, games that are winnable by the Jets aren't being won because of the special teams. So really it's 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 a function of that. And interestingly enough, courtesy of our friend Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press, who is in Arizona, we learned 
after practice that they didn't even work on special teams yesterday. Now it sounds like it's almost like they want to wash their hands of it and give these guys time to stay away from it so they can, you know, like, a, we mental talked about the, like a mental refresh almost. Yeah, exactly. Because we talked about it, right? We said how they hadn't had a lot of practice time because they'd been giving the guys days off and yet, you know, there's something that they needed to be working on. So we'll see if that strategy works because inevitably they'll either get power plays or penalty kills in this afternoon contest against the Coyotes. But to me, Drew, the answer is, again, it's rather captain obvious, but it is. It's the special teams because their five-on-five five play more often than not has been equal to the task. They were the better five-on-five five team against Vegas. But ultimately, like I said, special teams is going to be the difference and you can't have both be mid horrible, not middling. Middling would be fine if you were in the middle, but right now they're they're not, they're horrible in both elements. So if they improve that, I think they start putting up more points and they start getting more points, whether they're wins or at least extra points. Yeah, and you mentioned Mike McIntyre. I'm not sure how many people had a chance to read the article about Neil Pionk, yeah. but uh, it's it's a really heartwarming story. I mean, I don't know how many people knew that Neil Pionk was really good friends with Adam Johnson, the player who died overseas in Britain. He was actually a Neil Pionk's wedding party. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have a chance to to read that, it's a really great article by Mike McIntyre, obviously about an extremely tragic uh, subject. But just reading, you know, Neil Pionk saying that. You know, the first three days, I didn't know that I could cry that much. Like it's, if you haven't read that article, it's tough to read. You know, kudos to Mike for handling a very, uh, very sensitive topic and writing about a very sensitive topic well. And kudos to Neil uh, for 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 speaking so eloquently and speaking so passionately about obviously, uh, you know, the the pain that he's going through. I do recommend uh, if you haven't checked it out. It's of course on the Free Press website, which you can get to through our website, illegalcurve.com. It is behind the paywall, of course, but uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, it's interesting to note that the Jets and kudos to the Jets organization for doing mm. this as well. After today's game in Arizona, they're chartering a plane to Minnesota for Neil Pionk and I believe it's Dominic Toninato and uh, like basically all the Minnesota guys. Yeah, the Minnesota guys and a couple of the guys with LA connections as well because they played uh, in the AHL with Adam. Uh, and so they're all flying, the, the organization's flying everybody, they're flying those players up to Minnesota for the. Uh, for the memorial service and the funeral and then flying them to St. Louis for the game on Tuesday. So uh, certainly not uh, a, an easy situation, not an easy thing to talk about or an easy thing to write about. So kudos to everybody involved for uh, handling that with the dignity and sensitivity that you certainly would expect. Um, so thanks for bringing that up as because I, w- I was going to mention that, but yeah, and also great to see you. like not only the jets, but I'm not sure if you guys saw the Canadian junior hockey league, so the MJHL, the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, is a member of that league. They've made uh, neck protection mandatory now. Sure. I mean, you know what? And uh, my daughter takes speed skating. And, and and you know, I've been, you know, I think she, I hadn't, you know, I put a neck guard on her maybe for the first time. And she was complaining about it and, you know, whatever. So I, you know, took the easy route out and, and you know, and figured she didn't need to wear it. Well, let me tell you, she was absolutely wearing it uh, when she hit the By the way, look out week. for Aaron. Look out Susan Ark. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about that, but uh, she's enjoying the speed skating at the, at the at the very least. How about that? Her she, it's very difficult to overcome the genetics that uh, that that she that we hoisted on uh, hoisted on her uh, upon birth. But uh, nonetheless, you know, the, she the, enjoys it. The interesting thing from that is, and I've been talking to Moose players who have been in town, of course, uh, getting ready for their upcoming uh, weekend series against the Rockford IceHogs, and I I asking those guys, and we've had about six of them now who are wearing uh, the equipment. But even just talking to to Riley, who's one of the equipment guys for the moose and it's interesting because there's been such a rush across professional and junior leagues for player for to try and acquire 
the uh, the neck, you know, the the neck protection, whether it's the shirts or actual mm-hmm. guards. So um, it's interesting. But again, guys are availing themselves if they can. Christian Reichel joined five or five of the Moose players already wearing it. So again, it's 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 important, and and you'll see it more and more. And obviously, they made it mandatory uh, as of yesterday in the WHL. So. Uh, we'll start, I, you know, I don't know if they can't make it mandatory until they ratify it with the NHLPA, of course. Yeah. But uh, I suspect you'll see lots of guys wearing TJ Oshie's uh, War Road uh, stuff because I believe his company is at the forefront of producing that right now for the NHL. They are, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not funny, but it's sort of, you know, it takes something like this to really, you know, get players to get on board. So they're so often creatures of habit and they don't want to be the, the pioneer of looking dorky or whatever it might be. And then you realize that, you know, there, but the grace of God go I, and all of a sudden everyone's, uh, you know, wearing the the neck protection and everything else. Who was the Jets defenseman? You guys will remember better that, that suffered a serious leg laceration yeah that's what i thought it was zach redmond and it was in carolina where michigan right yeah yeah he's from michigan he's from michigan but there was a it was post practice i mean this is going back i don't even know how many years ago this would be i think it was in 2012 no it might be longer than that I think it was might be 10, 11 years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, it was after practice, and he was one of the healthy scratches for that game, and they were doing a battle drill in front, and uh, a player stepped on the back of his leg, which, of mm-hmm. course, you know, your your femoral artery, and there's some serious, you know, it was oh, a Dr. very Drew. serious. I know, I'm not just a doctor. I'll take a look as well. But, uh, you know, it, it, there was a, it was a very serious incident. He spent a number of days in hospital in Carolina, and yeah. had it not been for the, uh, the, 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 the quick reaction of the training staff, it could have been a very, you know, a very tragic incident. Incident, yeah. and you know, it's you know, you never really think about these things. You never think about the back of the leg as being a potential, uh, you know, main issue. But you know, honestly, that seems like you know what we saw with uh, you know we've seen so many skate cuts and things of that nature to the well, that's, backs of legs because there's very little protection there unless you're wearing like the the Kevlar. Uh, socks. Sorry, Dave. I interrupted you. No, Go I, ahead. Well, no, actually, I was inter- I was about to interrupt That's you, Drew. True, but yeah. but, <laughs> but well, the truth Richard, is that Richard Zednick. That was a long time ago. Richard Zednick. Uh, Clint Malarchuk, of course, was. Well, yeah. Scott. Remember, Scott O'Neill was actually teammates with uh, Malarchuk. With Clint, Clint Malarchuk when that happened. So because yeah. he talked about that uh, going way back, Dave. That's like the late '80s. Yeah, that's the most, unfortunately, most famous, I would suggest, uh, instance of, of that sort of situation happening here in North America. And, and yeah, I mean, like I said, one of the things Christian Reichel talked about yesterday, available on the Leo Curve YouTube channel, is the fact that he said, look, we wear protection for our wrists. We wear protection for our legs now. We've got it everywhere. It's just if there's an exposed area, then I want to be safe. So, yeah. again, I, I suspect you'll see more and more guys like Brad Lambert, Danny Jilkin. A lot of young guys, they were wearing it because they had to wear it anyways. A lot of it was mandatory until they got to a certain age. So they're not mm-hmm. it's not so foreign for them. But like like anything, guys, it'll be slowly adopted. It's like ha- players having to wear helmets now in in warm-up right it's like it's like a number of one well, visors too like 10 years ago yeah. it was yeah, a big deal visors. That, you know visors were going to be mandatory now how many people talk about it at the end of the day having something protecting your neck could save your life right so yeah i mean you've already seen you know nick ehlers cole perfetti neil pionk i think there's another player on the jets there's four at least right i'm missing somebody but i know that those three guys were wearing neck protection uh, namesnikov namesnikov there you go so like dave said it's just the, the list of players that are going to have neck protection is just going to grow and grow. And like you said, Dave, in the dub, uh, in the MJHL, it's all mandatory now. I mean, that was very yeah. scary. And like, like Drew said, I mean, our, our thoughts are with Adam Johnson's friends and family. Uh, I was in Grand Forks last weekend and actually a UND fan told me about it. I hadn't heard about it yet. 
Um, a lot of people in, in Grand Forks were talking about Shane Pinto and that whole situation, but then the Adam Johnson, um, you know, a tragedy happened and obviously everybody was thinking about him. So it's just awful all around and, um, you know, good on Mike yeah. for writing that article on Neil. I want to highlight the comment that's on the screen from Brass Bonanza saying the NHL needs to set the standards and not follow the minor leagues. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. And I don't think the NHL does a good enough job uh, when it comes to that. You know, they are, they, you know, all the young kids, all the youth hockey players look up to the NHL players and want to follow their example. So you're right, uh, Brass Bonanza agreed. If the NHL wants to change things if they want to be the catalyst of change it needs to start with them and the players and i understand that it involves some negotiation and everything is you know is a debate between the nhl and the nhlpa but too often and not strictly on on i would say this specific issue but just too often about the major hockey issues in general uh, the nhl is a laggard behind some of the other leagues and tends to always be playing catch up rather than trying to take a leadership position getting back to the jets as we digress as we so often do but at least it was a hockey related digression usually it's not even that for us i want to ask you dave about the jets floor we as he you know spoke about the ceiling you spoke about the ceiling as well the jets floor as we sit here at one eighth of the way basically through the season well i mean i, I think it becomes a function of the depth right i mean we were, you look gabe velarde's on the trip but as we learned he's not skating and he, so he's right. still a ways away as they like to say uh, that injury occurred october 17th and uh, they said four to six weeks. That was when Rick Bonus spoke, of course, about it. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're missing out on your, your top line winger right now. And again, like a, an injury to any of those other sort of top players is going to hamstring this club, which again, if you could say they were a defensive stalwart as then, then it wouldn't be as big an issue. But again, there are some areas of, de of defense that right now this team is lacking. And again, overall, the five on five play, as we've talked about, has been better. But to me, if you're not going to clean up your special teams, if you're not going to get them into, you know, I mean, look, the irony, of course, being they can only go up from here. There's still some room to go down. But but if you can get the special teams, cannot, sorry, if you cannot, and the special teams are lacking for another week, two weeks, I mean, that's going to be a problem. If you're not going to sort of solve this problem, and, it, and it's everywhere, right? It's the goaltending, like the goal... Connor Hellebuck is giving up goals on the power play. So is Laurent Brassois. Like the, the like I said, this team, if they can't get their special teams, I think it really it's as simple as that, Drew. It's nothing exponentially more insightful than if they can't fix their special teams and if they have any sort of significant injury, you know, that's the other question is who are you calling up and who are you going to try and get to fill that role? And again, if it's a depth player, well, then that's not as significant, but you don't have someone who's going to come in and, you know, take up a spot. I'm not going to say a player's name, but in that situation. So, so for the Jets, it's maintaining health and then it's improving their special teams. And if they don't, if one of those things fails or both of those things fail, then, then you could see the floor of this team really being a team that doesn't make the playoffs. And guys, I hate to be the one that brings this up, but I was doing a little bit of number crunching and then looking a little bit, you know, further down the calendar in November. We always like to talk about American Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, and shout out to our friends in in the U.S. Uh, as well for that. November twenty third is American Thanksgiving. The Jets have eight games left. So right, we talked about their four four and two. They're one point behind the Coyotes, who are currently, I believe, third in the Central. And the Jets are hovering around that line, right? So yeah. we always talk about American Thanksgiving and the importance of being in a playoff spot as opposed to not being in a playoff spot. And you know, the Jets are kind of in the easier part of the schedule, right? With Arizona, 
and then you've got St. Louis and then Nashville at home, but then you've got Dallas and New Jersey at home, and then you've followed that by playing the uh, Sabres and the Coyotes. But, I mean, then later in the month, you've got the Lightning and the Panthers. Um, I believe those games are on the road, if I'm not mistaken. One of those might they be They are. Home. They've already yeah, – yeah, those games and, are in. And the then uh, – so then you, you, yeah, so then those are the – that's the last game against Tampa Bay. So, I mean, you've got some tough teams. You've got some easier teams. You've got the Coyotes twice. Uh, obviously, the Jets have already defeated the Blues. And the Predators aren't very good, right? But, I mean, in those eight games, guys, you ideally want to win, what, at least five, get at least, you know, points in six of eight of those games. So, I mean, this is a very important stretch coming up here. And, you know, the the Jets are kind of, I mean, I think they're below where I thought they would be. And we've talked about it. I mean, you could easily pick out four or five games um, where the Jets could have had an extra point. We talked about Montreal, the Rangers, the opening game against Calgary, um, even the, the first game at home against Vegas. Uh, where I believe the game was tied in the third period, right? And then Jack Eichel got the winner. Uh, so, I mean, the, the Jets are kind of, you know, in that pack with Arizona and, you know, a few other teams uh, just kind of in the mushy middle of, of the Western Conference. They're definitely in the you know the, the mushy middle. And it's funny, I remember in the preseason we were talking about, I think one of the the writers in the athletic or whomever were doing their season previews referred to the Jets as a mid-team uh, with, a, with an elite goaltender. And, and, and the irony is that I don't think that's an accurate assessment. I mean, I know where they are standings wise. They are, they are, you know, middle of the pack, you know, right now, but I do think that's so much of, I, I think if you had told people at the beginning of the season, the jets were going to be a very good team at five on five, but that they are going to be at this, where they are in the standings. Most people would say that's a surprise. Most people would have thought that five on five play for the jets has usually been their issue. They haven't been in the last number of years. Uh, they haven't been a great possession team. They haven't been a great five-on-five team. But yet this year, it's flipped on its head. It's so much right now of their struggles, and the uncertainty is related to the special teams. And again, if you had to pick one to recover, I would think that that one that you want to recover quicker than the other would probably be your penalty kill. I mean, because yeah. you know, you can teams can survive a poor power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Jets, the Jets did last year. Yeah, the Jets did last year. That they, you know, so many. You remember when the playoffs started? Vegas had a poor power play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember, and it only took. You know, that was a big storyline entering uh, the start of the series against the Jets. When would the Vegas power play uh, mm-hmm. find Big success? Going. Well, n- inevitably, they found success against the Jets and went on the way to winning the Stanley Cup. But right now, it's just the penalty kill is absolutely killing the Winnipeg Jets. And absolutely, you know, I'm surprised to your point, Dave that they didn't spend any time on that yesterday uh, right. at practice. And I know you're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and institute a brand new system, but the execution of that system. And I guess, you know, truthfully, they could have done a lot. They could have done some off ice video work related to the penalty kill. And we wouldn't know about that. And that's, that's right. Uh, I should mention that of course, because the penalty kill right now is just really what is, the Achilles heel of this team. And until that gets resolved, I think the Jets are what they are, which is a team that is decidedly average, but the potential for them to be better exists with that improvement on the PK in particular. Yeah, I don't think this, I think that's exactly summed up perfectly, to be honest with you, Drew. I really do. I think that we've been talking about special teams now for the beginning of the season till now. And and I think that's ultimately, you're right. It's the penalty kill. I mean, this is a team that was the seventh overall penalty killing team in the NHL through 82 games last year. 
and like with all due respect to Kevin Stenland and and Saku Manalainen and you know Carson Kuhlman, I don't think that those pairings were any more significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Calnado also played some PK, but I don't know that those guys are more significant than Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, Rasmus Kupari, and David Gustafson. So, I mean, to me, the personnel are who they are. And I think, again, it's a function of the goaltending needs to be better in the PK. And, and some of those grade A opportunities that this team is giving up needs to be better. So to me uh, right now, again, I would, I would uh, wholeheartedly agree that the penalty kill is the area, the bigger area of concern, given how far it's fallen off the uh, cliff from, from last season to this season. And, and really how, I, like I said, through 10 games already for Winnipeg, it's been the difference in the game as far as I'm concerned. Right. And I agree that the, sorry, Drew, just wanted to say that, you know, I'm with Dave, like I think the the penalty killing, considering that it was top 10 in the league seventh overall last year, like you expect the penalty kill to be better, better, but like the Jets have scored five power play goals, guys, in 10 games. Two of those are from Alex Iafallo, right? So Mm -hmm. like Iafallo scored almost half of the Jets power play goals. Uh, The other goals coming from Shifley, Connor and Morrissey, right? So like Nino Niederreiter, Cole Perfetti, I mean, uh, you know, like the Ehlers. Yeah. yeah. Nick Ehlers doesn't have a power play goal. Like you, you need to get the power play going as well. Right. Like, so I just wanted to throw that in there. Uh, the, the power play, no one expected to necessarily be top five or top 10 in the league, but the jets have enough talent that it should be better than whatever it is right now. I would agree with most of what everything you guys have said so far this morning. And that doesn't happen every single Saturday. What part would when you we disagree come- with? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to find, look back and find something to disagree with. Yeah, but I'm very disagreeable, so I'll find something. I promise you. Uh, Jim Toth. I can Fair agree. With, Absolutely. I, thank you. I can agree to Jim Toth. He's going to join us next. CJOB broadcaster is going to talk about the Winnipeg Jets with us. It's a Saturday morning. Jets Coyotes still to come this afternoon. The Illegal Curve post game show later on. Smash the like button if you haven't already done so. Jim Toth up next. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show rolls on on this Saturday morning. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. And we are absolutely thrilled to welcome to the program our good friend from CJOB, broadcaster Jim Toth joins us on the show. Jimmy, good morning. How are you? Nice to see you. We can't hear you. Sounds like Jimmy might be having some sort of uh, technical difficulties in keeping with the theme of tonight's uh, show so far. Is that thing plugged in? That would be my first uh, question to you, Jim. It's not even plugged in. Okay, that could explain why we can't. Jim was using a little prop comedy there, Drew. Oh, is that what that was? It went right over my head, but uh, yes. I appreciate the attempted humor nonetheless. Attempted humor is what we specialize in here on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. <laughs> a reminder, later on tonight, the Illegal Curve post game show. There, there we go. go. Jimmy, Sorry, can gentlemen. you hear us now? Yes. I, uh, it's been so long since I've done anything from home that um, I found this uh, in the basement in a box somewhere. Does it work? Well, not by sounds me. Sounds good. I would have left it out for probably until years after I passed, but other people <laughs> in the home like to clean up things that aren't being used. So, good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure, Jimmy. Appreciate you joining us this Saturday morning. Obviously, here to talk about a little bit of Winnipeg Jets action. The game later on this afternoon, you can hear it on CJOB and, of course, Power 97. Uh, The Jets into Arizona to face the better-than-expected Arizona Coyotes, I think, is a fair way to uh, assess them. And, Jimmy, we were talking about the Jets so far. You know, I just called the Coyotes better than expected. How would you describe the Jets' start to the season so far through the first 10 games? 
If you're doing prop comedy again, that mic uh, isn't working yet again. <laughs> this is just, you know, it's a smooth operation here on, on this show as per usual. We'll let Jim uh, figure that out while he's uh, trying to figure out why the various uh, inputs and outputs and audio settings are not working uh, so far this morning. No, still can't hear you, Jimmy. Do you have to restart the computer, maybe? Do you have to change the setting as to what's here, what you're hearing? Why is there no audio? Why can you not hear me? Now we can well, hear you very faintly. Faintly? Yeah. I don't know, gentlemen. I apologize. Okay. Uh, Joe, from J Jim, J Joe from Winnipeg is saying that Camp Poitras needs to come and help you out. So should we well, wake him up? I was say, if anybody in the ID... Like now... We got nothing. It never okay. sounded better, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's that mic. Yeah, I think it might be a mic-related issue. I think you need for... to put that mic back in the box, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> there might be a reason why why it was why it was stashed away appropriately. Here, why don't we? You know, what we could do is we could send Jim to the. To the... Guys, I got it now. Thank you. There we go. There we go. Sorry about that. I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. We still. We'll Joe Pascucci you. says, it, "Hey, you. Jim. Joe Pascucci is wondering if it's a loose cable." Uh, yeah, Joe, it is actually, and Joe's a former global broadcaster, so he knows the whole IT department at 680 CGOB is watching this going, now i got to live with the guy because he can't do anything at work and he can't plug anything in at home either, so <laughs> I sincerely apologize for that. Uh, the Jets start uh, is kind of what I thought it would be. Uh, I don't know if the results, like 4-4-1, four, four, and one, um, that's kind of it too. Like They could have an extra point here or there, but to me, this is a Jets team that's more spread out. It's a deep lineup. Uh, but it's not as skilled. And and I think that what we've seen so far this year is is what they have to be for 70 to 75 games of the year. They have to be in the fight. They they have to sort of play that five-on-five five really good hockey that keeps them in and around games, and they have to get points when they can't. Um, I'm really disappointed in that first Calgary game because I thought they you know, played Calgary and they, they needed that point. And I don't want to bring up the, the, the icing again and the face-off, but that's kind of how this team's going to garner points this year. And I think that's what we've seen. Other than the the, the two periods against um, Los Angeles and uh, against Vegas the other night where, you know, they took that two-minute double minor by Mason Appleton and the, the game just turned on its edge. But to me, like, Vegas is the better – somebody on Jets at Noon described, <laughs> described it as one of our listeners, uh, I thought, appropriately. Vegas looks like the Jets' older brother who is just, you know, beating them up. The Jets want to be like that. They want to be like their older brother. They want to look like the – I think they're laid out that way. They're just not as good at it. They're they're younger, and they haven't been around with each other under the system long enough. But last year, the system came in. This year, I think we've already seen the system work pretty well for 80% of the, the time. Um, and then now, I think, you know, throughout this year and going into next year is where they hone it so that they are a deep lineup like Vegas, where every line can hurt you. It's solid five-on-five -five hockey. So I really like it. The penalty kill is killing them. I, and I know we're going to talk about the power play as well. But last year, um, and I think it was Drew that pointed it out, or Dave, sorry, that pointed it out on the week. Correct me if I'm wrong. I know it wasn't Ezzy because Ezzy did, you know. But one of you guys pointed <laughs> out. Wasn't me. Which I'm I, just, uh, Jim, I'm just a warm body. <laughs> and a very warm one at that. Definitely, he's like a bear, basically. So he's definitely a warm body. One of you gentlemen pointed out that the drastic change this year is the penalty kill is 28th going into Vegas, now 30th, and they were 7th mm -hmm. last year. That is the specialty team that is killing them. But yeah. I'll take good five-on-five five play because specialty teams go up and down throughout the year. We're only 10 games in. The power play is not going to be this bad all year, and I think the penalty kill isn't. So 
I, I think this is what they are, guys. They're they're a meat and potatoes team that has to work, be in the fight, be solid for for eighty percent of the season on five on five, and they'll they'll make the playoffs. But if they don't, like we've seen against LA, or when they get away from their system um, and don't use their forecheck, they're they're going to be in trouble. But so four four and one, and and the kind of games they've been in, the Montreal and the New York games were disappointing, but that's kind of my point. Like you got a point out of them and that's a victory. They, this is a team that's not going to outscore their problems anymore. Um, this is a team that if they can limit the high danger chances and give less work to Connor Hellebuck, that will be much better. I think that will equal more wins. And and so far, you know, they're 500 ish team and, and that's kind of where I thought they would be. And as the season goes on and they get better, they'll win a couple more of those games that they're, they're just losing and getting one point in or losing. Jim, I was listening to Jets at Noon on CGOB 680 yesterday with you and Cam, as you mentioned earlier, and you you're the one, uh, absolutely. <laughs> and you guys were you guys were talking about uh, Nick Ehlers, and you know I was agreeing with both of you because you were mentioning that it's only been ten games and it's been well documented. Nick Ehlers, you know, two goals, four points in ten games, no goals on the power play, but again, it is ten games, and we have to give you know cut him some slack with the next spasms missing all of the preseason, right? Like. He was practicing, but not playing in the preseason games, of course. But like when you're focusing in on on uh, like a few players, uh, because let's be honest here, like Kyle Connor, and he's getting the job done. Mark Scheifele, arguably playing the best hockey of his career. Cole Perfetti, I mean, a little bit of a slow start. He's starting to come along. I mean, nobody's going to have any problems with Alex Iafalo, who's been such a great uh, acquisition coming over from L.A., but like Nick Ehlers, what? Let me ask it this way, Jim. What do you think Nick Ehlers has to do differently? Because everybody sees the speed, the skill. He's got a great shot. He can distribute the puck, but like it still seems like he's just a little bit off through the first ten games of the year. Yeah, I, as I said on the show Friday, I still have a lot of leeway and runway for Nick Ehlers. He's he is a dynamic player, but I, I I'm not running out of patience with him. I know some fans have, but I am running out of time where he has to be a difference maker. He's too good and too skilled and too good of a player to not be a difference maker on this team. I look at this roster and I think Mark Scheifele, Kyle Connor, they can make a difference. Josh Morrissey, Connor Hellebuck. But Nick Ehlers is in that realm, right? When when the Scheifele-Connor combination with Iofalo isn't working, somebody has to step up. And, and it's Nick Ehlers that is a good enough player that has to make Perfetti and Nemestikov better. Um, I used to say this about Patrick Laine. If Patrick Laine is such a phenom that um, has never been seen for years in the in the NHL, and he's going to light it up. He should make the other players he's playing with better. It shouldn't be that he has to play with better players. Um, Nick Ehlers is that player. He can make people he plays with better, and that's what he needs to do this year. But missing training camp, I don't know, guys. I, I Is he still hurt or bothered by it? It looks like it to me. Um, but it, this is the time with this roster and this system that he has to start making a difference. He has to start helping this team win. The best part about Nick Ehlers is he'll tell you this himself. And, and I always tell people this who, who, who text the show and, and tweet at me and, and things like that, that Nick Ehlers this, Nick Ehlers needs more ice time. Nick Ehlers' worst game this year is in Montreal. He was on the number one power play and he played 20 minutes. All I've been hearing for four years is Nick Ehlers needs to be on the number one power play and play 20 minutes. Now, it's only one game, but I thought he was terrible in that game. He thought he was terrible in that game. I loved what he said to Ken Weave after a game where he just said, when he got a goal, I believe, and, and he asked him about the chances, he goes, I feel like I haven't been getting any chances this year. So he knows that, right? So that's the best part about Nick Ehlers is he knows who he is. He knows what he has to do and where he's got to get to. So that gives me more confidence he will. 
it's only 10 games in, but I will say this. He has to start. He has to help Cole Perfetti on that line. I really like Nemesikov. I love how Nemesikov thinks the game. There was a play in Vegas the other day where that's what stood out to me. When he came to town, I was like, how is a first-round pick bounced around like this? And why is he not producing? And then he did something that he did in Vegas the other night in that first game I saw him play live, and that is he gained the zone like one-on-three, and instead of dumping it in or not knowing what to do with it, he circled back, held it, made another play, went back down the boards, and then there's four jets in the zone. And they were making a change. And that's just hockey smarts, right? That's just not panicking, dump the puck in. That's what I can, I can do this. I can hold it. So I think that could be a good line, um, but it's got to be driven by Nick Ehlers. And I, I think um, he's overthinking a little bit to me, it looks like, and having watched his career. And I think he's trying to do too much. What I would like to see him do is do the things that make him great with the possession, with the zone entries, but then make a play sooner. He's kind of like the power play to me, but when he's not on the power play, I think he just holds it a little too long and he looks for the perfect play. He does such great things in the zone. He holds the puck, but he's got to take more chances of making plays sooner. Um, by the time he makes a play, everybody's settled into the defensive zone and there's not much left. Um, so just kind of like I think the power play needs to move the puck quicker. I think Nick has to keep doing what he's doing, but do it quicker. And, and I don't mean speed wise. I mean, like play wise. I mean, make the play that he's looking to, to find a lot sooner and i think things will move quicker and i think the guys that he's playing with will, will reap the benefits of that more decisive with his actions is yeah Jim Toth is saying. yeah there you go on the, this is saturday morning the illegal curve hockey show well jim we gotta ask you about the gus bus david gustafson two goals in his seven games not playing a ton of minutes only two of those seven he's gotten up and over the double digits mark but what are you seeing from him a guy who we heard from rick bonus himself tell him over the summer listen you're gonna have to come into training camp and earn a spot. He certainly did that throughout the course of the preseason, of course, leading the Jets in goals scored. And looks like he, you know, really has fit, found himself a spot here on this uh, Jets team. So what are you seeing from, from David Gustafson through the course of the beginning of this season? Well, I, I like what I've seen so far. And and David is kind of like a little bit with Nick Ehlers, right? We keep waiting for the injuries to go away to, to see what a full healthy season can be. Um, and this is quite a story, guys. I emphasized this uh, about a week or two ago when he got that first goal. We we watch and we, we pay attention. Fans pay the tickets. They, they take it all in and they're like, well, David Gustafson will wave. David Gustafson is injured. But for David Gustafson, this has been a long road. Like when you're trying to make the NHL and you get there and you're injured or you get into two games and then you're out for weeks at a time, to see him get that goal, I was just reminded of, as you guys would know when you cover a team, that when you're down and around the team daily and you see these guys sort of off to the side doing their work and, and not being able to practice and get trying to get healthy and then it happens again and then another year goes by and, you know, doubt starts to creep in and stuff. So uh, what I've seen from him is no lack of confidence. And I think that's the best thing for a guy that maybe gets back in the lineup. He, he doesn't look like he's worried about being injured, which I would be if I'd been injured that much and missed that much hockey over the past two to three years. And he just is playing his game. Um, the, the positive about him being injured so much and not being on the ice with the Jets over the past couple of seasons is he looks bigger, he looks thicker, and he looks quicker too. Um, and so he's obviously put in the off-ice work. But uh, I have some more time for him. I don't know if he's ever going to be a 20-25 goal scorer in this league, but I think he can be a solid NHLer and, and even on the wing, right? Like if he's moving to the wing or moving to the middle, it all helps. So I, I think, A, it's a great story for him to have two goals and, and be having the start to the season he has. 
And then I'm, I'm excited to see how far this bus can go. Maybe it'll be like speed and just keep going and Keanu Reeves will get on board and um, you won't be able to stop this thing. But um, by the way, Jim, I, I believe that was the first movie that I, I believe it was rated R and I snuck into it with a friend because I think wow. that movie came out around what early 90s. Right. Like, I, we, I, I was born in 82. So like I feel like I was around 10 or 11 years old. And me and my friend, shout out to Adam Florence, who lives in Montreal. We snuck in at the Grand Park Cinema to go see Speed. Great film. Why did you sneak in? You had no, oh, because it was R. Yeah, it was rated oh. R, so we snuck in, yeah. So, But you did pay. I just want to We, we did pay. We did pay. I'm not sure what the other movie was. It might have been like Rookie of the Year. I, I don't remember. Sandlot. I'm trying uh, to think when did that come out, but I was I was much older than that. I was an adult, and I, I just I was at my stage of my life where I knew everything which I never have, but I was like watching this going, why doesn't the bus do this? Why doesn't the bus do that? Why don't they do this on the bus? Like I 19, knew. 1994, Jim, I just Googled it. So I would have been like 11 or 12. I just got out of college then, and I thought I knew absolutely everything, and I could drive that bus better. <laughs> and you, nice. I think, I, I think, I think the people of Winnipeg do not want to see that experiment uh, no. take place. No, but I thought of speed when Kramer was uh, shaving the bus, and they're like, they kept making the stops. <laughs> well, they kept that's, ringing the bell. But that's one of uh, Dave's favorite lines. Yeah, mine too. But so I, I like, I like um, uh, Gustafson, and I, I hope he stays healthy, and I hope we can see what he gets for a full year because uh, it's a great story if he can sort of get through what he's been through and, and contribute. Jim Toth, CJOB Radio, is our guest this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Jimmy, let me ask you this. Uh, Connor, Kyle Connor, Mark Schleifley, Mason Appleton, they played 14 minutes together at 5-on-5. Five five. They had a, a possession number, of Corsi, of 40%. And everyone said, that line doesn't work. They can't play together. Connor, Schleifley, and I, Fallow, have played 75 minutes together at 5-on-5. Five five. They have a Corsi 4 percentage of 44%. Why aren't we hearing the same conversation well because the people making the conversation don't like a player or don't think a player can do what it is and that's what it's always is i would assume that these are the same people that told us that nick batan's being misused and alex Dramistros being misused sammy niku needs a shot and um i i just what people forget is appleton played with connor and shifley for a bit last year and it was pretty good it wasn't exceptional it wasn't like but it worked so that's why they went back to it this year. And um, I, I think what's lost in that conversation about Appleton up there is it was a game and a half. Like the, the some of the Jets universe was was losing their minds over that. And Rick Bonus tried it for a game. He tried it for another one. And midway through the, the other one, he's like, all right, this isn't working. It wasn't like he left them there for 23 games and said, let's see what this can do. And then he brought a follow up and then that was working. And now that's not so. Um, I think we often forget that when a coach does something, he has a hunch and uh, he thinks something might work. This coach um, uh, has seen it before last year where he did okay on that line. And so he tried it again and then he, he did something else and also lost in the conversation is what else he did work for a time then. So the move he did make with him a game and a half in started to work and nobody talked about that either. They were just upset that Appleton was ever up there. The fourth part of that conversation that doesn't happen is Appleton is very good where he is. Appleton's having a great year, and, mm -hmm. and he's doing what he does exceptionally well. So I wasn't that upset with it, and I, I think they look deserve credit for doing it for a game and a half and it not working. The IFL thing is interesting because IFL is an established player, right? And, and, and he has put up some points, and he has put up some goals and, and done stuff with the Kings that we like. Um, I don't go game by game. Like, I don't go, oh, this line is awful. I, I kind of, um, you know, for all my uh, 
things that I liked about Paul Maurice that I, I take grief for. That was one that I didn't is how long he sort of or, or switched things up every game. Um, and then he went back to the well that, that things worked. I think that that's what um, Rick Bonus has done very well is he doesn't ride something too long if it's not working. Um, he likes to keep it together if he is. And then in game, he'll still mix it up. Like Scott O'Neill said after the Vegas game on our post game on 680 CGOB that they asked him about a certain player somewhere. And he's like, I, to be honest with you, I was just trying to get anything going. I don't, I don't even, he doesn't even remember where he was putting guys. He just put them places to try something new on the bench. So that's the other thing I think that's lost. I mean, if you're going into a game and there's a new line, fair enough. They've thought it through and they're doing this. If we see what's happening mid game and, and things like that, but I, I don't guys, I don't, I don't look at something that happens in the third period and go, why is this player up there? Because the other player's possession was so great in the first two periods of this game. I'm like, it's a game. It's happening right now. Um, you have a feel for it and you play it and stuff. So, but um, I, I'm wondering if it's time to put Perfetti up there and and see what he can do on that top line. And maybe I have fellow Domestikov and Ehlers, um, if that wouldn't be something. But right now, like, it's tough to judge the Vegas game because Vegas is just so good. Going into that Vegas game at 9-0-1, all the players were saying, we haven't played very good this year. <laughs> and then I watched the game against the Jets, and I thought, well, now they that's what they were talking about, right? How can a 9-0-1 team say they haven't played very well? Well, the game against the Jets is why, because they played really well. They played mm. their system to a T. They took advantage of the opportunities that were given to them, and they took advantage of the mistakes the Jets made, like that four-person change on the penalty kill that allowed Logan Thompson to yeah. crawl through the Shawshank Redemption Tunnel with a pass and come out the other end with a goal. So um, I, I just... Vegas is Vegas. To me, guys, that was a game that I think whatever the line combinations were, however they ended, I would think the players themselves, without any coaches telling them, would would walk away from that game and go, "That that's what we want to get to." Like, no no disrespect to us, don't over respect your opponent, but that was pretty clinical, and that's what we because they they gave a good fight, right? Like they they didn't give up which is what I think, again, to our original question, the Jets have to be this year. You have to stay in the fight. It doesn't matter what the score is. Stay with the system. That start of the second period was exceptional. Um, and there were pockets in the third period where they got some some zone times and put some shots on on Logan Thompson. So it wasn't a disaster. Um, but I would think that even the players, without any coaches talking to them, go, okay, like, respect to them. That's where we need to get to. That's the way we need to get that level of, of knowing where everybody is speed, consistency, and stuff. Jim, I got to go back to the line combinations because I heard, as I mentioned, I was listening to Jets at Noon on CGOB 680 yesterday and heard you and Cameron talking about Cole Perfetti. And, and I'm not sure if you guys have talked about this early on this season. I'm not sure if like Huss and Remus have talked about this on Winnipeg Sports Talk. It's actually surprising that more people haven't th- been talking about this, in my opinion. And I'm teasing you right now, but I'm going to mention what about Nick Ehlers on the top line? Like you mentioned, Paul Maurice loved to go with Connor Shifley and Wheeler. Like that was the well, as you mentioned. Like shouldn't the new well be Connor Shifley and Ehlers? And I realize like the left shot, right shot thing. Like Alex Iafallo, who's on that top line, he's a he's a natural left winger. Like if you look at the LA Kings, he's a left shot. He was playing left wing. He's on the right wing because obviously Kyle Connor is your top line left winger. But like if Nick Ehlers is struggling, right? Like two goals in 10 games, no goals on the power play. Like, isn't that an option? And I agree with you, Jim. Like, you don't want to go game by game. You don't, you don't want to say, you know, Ehlers had a bad game against Montreal, good game against the Rangers. And I heard you mention this as well. He was not good against Vegas. Like defensively, you know, he just wasn't picking up his man. That wasn't his best game. Huge fan of Nick Ehlers. He's obviously going to stick in the top six, but is that not something 
that at least Scott O'Neill and the coaching staff should be considering putting Ehlers on the on the right side on the top line? Well, you bring up a valid point because their best line is their third line this year throughout the games they've played, um, mm-hmm. analytically and everything. So it's, it's the my initial thought would be, well, what would that second line be like then? But if your be- best line so far is your third line, you don't have to worry about that. You could take that risk, right? You could take your risk of having a, a loaded up top line and a, and your best line right now is your third line and then see what happens with the second line. Um, but I think I like the skill mix. Like, first of all, as my first answer to that is Nick's not playing well. So uh, you could put him up there, but if he doesn't play well with those two as well, that's hurt what that line can do. I follow's playing well. He He's having a really good year. So um, Mason Appleton, as I said, uh, it didn't work on that top line too well, but the he's having a great year. He's playing well. It's not that I wouldn't put him up there because he's not playing well to, to say you got to play better. I wouldn't put him up there because you're just not playing well. Like, so until you play well, then I would definitely consider it and put him up there. But I like the way it's spread out. Even if Nick Ehlers is playing well, I, I like the way the lineup spread out. I think Nick and, and Cole Perfetti is the key here is why. I think, you know, Cole Perfetti is a future. Cole Perfetti started the year at center. I was a little surprised he didn't get a 10 or 12 game run. But back to my point about Rick Bonus changing things up, there's been a lot of that in the NHL this year where there's not a lot of leeway with coaches. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, Timo Meyer was benched second game of the year and, and Sevenson was sat down in the, the second game of the year for a period. Um, coaches aren't waiting for the 10, 12, 15 game mark to make lineup changes or for let people settle in. Mm-hmm. Um, look at what's going on in Edmonton. Uh, so coaches just aren't waiting this year. I think there's been a new philosophy and I, I think it's great, but I'm shocked at it that the leash on NHL rosters is zero this year. And I think it's because every team knows there's more parity than ever, and we can't wait 12 games for a guy to get going. So I wonder if that's why Nick hasn't been put up there as well. But you bring up a valid point that if Nick gets going, and, and I like what you said there because I agree with it, as and, and, and that's why I was saying it on Jets at Noon. I thought he was terrible in Montreal. I thought he was really good against the Rangers. And then I thought he had a bad game against Vegas. If he can even, even that out and get playing better and, and that number one line needs something, then I would do that, right? Um, it's just fascinating, too, on the line matchups because if you're scouting the Jets, like if you're Arizona, obviously you're putting – Connor Shifley, Iofalo on the board, and this is what we have to do against them. But now you're also looking at that third line and looking at your third line and going, okay, this is what we have to do against them. Um, so it, it's interesting that I think there's some space there on that second line for Ehlers, Perfetti, and Nemesikov to get going. But Nick's got to get going. And and like I said, it's 10 games in. By game 20, we could be looking at, like, he could, I'm not kidding. He could be leading the team in scoring. <laughs> if, if, if we, like, 10 more games from now, he could get 12 points. Um, and then we would be like, well, you know, maybe he's going up there now or not. But I think it's about balance. It's the same reason Mark Stone was on the third line on a Stanley Cup run in the playoffs last year. To me, it's about balance. And and um, it, that's why I think he's not up there. But I do think it's an option once he, you know, finds his game. You know, Jim, I want to ask you about Rasmus Kupari. Of course, one of the pieces that was the least known piece that came over in that big Dubois trade over the summer. He's uh, played 10 games. He has the one assist only his ice time, not super significant against his former club. When they were in Winnipeg, he played 15 minutes, but the last few games well under 10 for those games. So what have you seen from him? Uh, like I said, the least known quantity of the the players who came over in the trade. Well, what I've learned from him and what he's taught me is to just start looking at the last piece. Kevin Trivel Dayoff gets in a deal every year. Um, he's the Morgan Baron of the the um, Jacob Truba trade, 
or sorry, the Andrew Kopp trade. Um, he's the Neil Pionk of the Jacob Truba trade. He's, I could go on and on, whatever the lot, he's the Brendan Lemieux of the Evander Kane trade. Um, he just is. Wow. Uh, that's, is, that's going way back. That's going back like eight or nine years. Well, I just, I, Kapari's come in and I didn't know anything about him. And what I've seen from him is he's, he, he's big and he's fast. I didn't think he was this big and I didn't think he was this fast and he's got a ton of skill. So I just think he's a really good young player that in two years from now, we might be talking about as the steal of the Dubois trade. And that's saying something because Velarde, I think, is going to be on the first line here for years to come. But I, I think that could be the add-on that Kevin Cheveldayoff always somehow works out that we all go, who is Morgan Barron? And we all go, Neil Pionk, he wasn't even drafted. And and it's just that. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that, like, oh, they, they stole Wayne Gretzky in every trade. But they got a legitimate NHL player that nobody even probably thought on the radar. And that's what I think. Uh, well, he was on the radar. Don't get me wrong. He's a high pick. But I didn't know much about him. He's come in. I like his skill. I like his tenacity. I, he's faster than I thought he would be. And he's bigger than I thought he would be. So he's so young that in two years, and, and he beefs up a bit more too. I, I don't know, guys. Like I, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. But Adam Lowry is the captain. Going to be in the third line center forever. He's not going to be on the fourth line forever. He could be your second line center three years from now, two years from now. So uh, I like everything about him. I do see that he's, you know, a little young and experienced and, and makes the odd mistake. But I'll take a guy that plays like that any day of the week. He goes to the net. He tries to create. He doesn't back down from anybody. He doesn't cause any trouble, i.e. taking penalties. I like him. I, I think he's could be like a, the addition that I just mentioned is always seems to be there that I kind of look at the, the first two, three pieces and, and, so, okay, here's a guy that might play. He'll play. Last, que last question for you, Jim. We've gone through the entire interview, and uh, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think we've mentioned his name once, and that's Nino Niederreiter. I mean, to me, it seems like, I mean, Niederreiter's been tremendous in the role that he's played so far with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, last year he was great. So far this year, he's great playing on that. I mean, I'll call it third line, even though we know it's not the third line in terms of how it's been used and how and the impact on it. Is Nino Niederreiter the guy right now that is sort of the Mr. Fix-It for the Winnipeg Jets, where what Whatever, how, whatever situation he's deployed in, whatever scenario that he wants that the the coaching staff elects to use him in, he's just going to uh, elevate what, what's going on there. To me, you know, and he did play with Connor and Shifley last year. Maybe he's the option uh, playing up uh, on the right wing with them uh, if you're looking to try and get generate a little bit more there. Yeah, and I, I think he's been a little snake bitten too. I, I think he's like I'm not he's not going to score forty. But he could have three goals this year, four goals by now. I know he's got two and an empty, one's an empty netter, but he's been in and around it. I thought he was their best player against Calgary, and, and they played good against Calgary, but he was in the fight. I really like Nino Niederreiter, and Cam and I, I don't know if we talked about it on air because we discussed it off air, but we were like, you've got to kind of keep this guy, right? So how this oh, yeah. season goes, he's a guy that needs a contract that other teams want. I've already heard guys from other NHL teams say, like Edmonton, Man, for the price they paid for Nito Niederreiter, we could have we could have really used the Nito Niederreiter, especially I mean, with an extra year in his contract. That's what oh, I kept yeah. telling these guys. I mean, Chevy gets a lot of credit for a lot of the trades, like you mentioned. You know, whether it's the Pierre Luc Dubois trade, because I agree. I think if you get Alex Iafallo and Gabe Velarde for Dubois, just straight up, forget you know Kupari in the second round draft pick. I yeah. think pretty good trade. Same thing with you know a second rounder for Niederreiter with an extra year in his contract and four million dollars a year. You could argue he's a little bit underpaid. 
Well, as I said, how many, you know, last year's last year, the deadline's a deadline, and like Edmonton did fine with that call. But look around the National Hockey League after 10 games and how many teams for a second round pick would love to have Nito Niederreiter this year. And Edmonton's at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Like if you could have him on your third line or in the second line, um, any other team that's having struggles right now, Ottawa, it, things like that. So uh, I like everything about him. And the, the thing that Cam and I were kicking around is you got to keep this guy, right? So somebody out there, because it's the NHL and there's always somebody, will give him $5 million next year. Somebody will. Um, and he's worth it. I really do think he's worth well, it. If, if yeah. you're going to pay $5 million a year and he's on your third line, you're going to have one of the better third lines in the league, which the Jets do have now, right, Jim? See, and that's why I w- we were kicking around. I think, you know, at his age, if you could give him some term and keep him here and do it at four, four and a half, that's what I would start talking with him about in January. I would go, look, you can go to free agency. I don't think anybody's going to give him four or five years, but somebody will give him three years, five, six. I don't know about six, but five. I think, we, and Cam and I were talking about this, he does too. We, The Jets need to start talking to him and start going, hey, if you like it here and you like your position, and to Drew's point, you might be on the second line or the first line at some point this year, or the second line, you're in and off the power play. Here's a four to five year deal at $4 million. And, and if you want to work, and I, I think that, you know, if it gets too long at the end, so be it. Maybe the last year is he's on your fourth line at that age. But I don't see any of that right now. I think that it, term is how he's going to stay in Winnipeg, because I do think there's going to be a two to three year deal at five or around five offered to him in free agency. If he likes it here and, and you can give him four years. Uh, at that age and make it around four, four and a half. I, I don't know if I'd do five uh, as just because they've got some contracts and, and some guys coming up, um, but I, I would do it. I like everything about him. I, I think that he was a steal for a second round pick and I've always liked his game. He's 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 probably one of the nicest guys on the planet and he's probably one of the meanest, toughest guys to play against. And I don't mean mean like to chuck and dirty. Mm-hmm. He's just hard to play against. Like he's always on you and he's always in your face and he's always battling. Um, and then he does have a little skill and all that he does. So yeah, Drew, I think he's probably been one of the guys that's had the best starts to the season. Um, and, and I like everything about him. I think he's a steal and, and that's what we think is, is well. And I think too, he, he, they should take a run at him at about four, maybe five years. If it's five years, I, I wouldn't go higher than four, but if you could get him for four years, four, four and a half. I would do that in a heartbeat and keep him around, especially with the Rutgers McGordys, the Chaz Luciuses, the Brad Lamberts coming up. Man, I sit every one of those guys in a locker room next to Nito Niederreiter and just let them learn from Sponge. him and, and work ethic and stuff. So, yeah, I think he's been a, a real bright spot at the start of this season. Jim Toth is with CJOB Radio, today's Jets-Coyotes game on CJOB and Power 97. Kelly Moore with the pregame show, Paul Edmonds, Mitchell Clinton with the broadcast, and then on Monday, Jim and our buddy Cam Poitras will wrap it all up and discuss everything that happened at Jets at noon. Jimmy, thanks for your insight. Thanks for your uh, thanks for your time this morning. We always appreciate it. Always a pleasure, guys. I always get excited when you ask me, and I'm the only guy in radio who doesn't know how the mic works. <laughs> I apologize for the start. I'll have it better next time. Enjoy the game today and enjoy the season. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, and, and you will be getting a Movember donation like you do every year from Oh, IC. now that's nice. Can I drop that? Mobro forward slash Jim Toth. We're raising money again. I know times are really tough right now. So in all my fundraising, if you can't, don't worry about it. If it has to be less than before, 
don't worry about it. I'm not, I hope to make my goal, but I understand this year with inflation and everything, but if you can, it's a great cause, uh, fighting cancer and really suicide prevention, 60 men, um, I think an hour globally for a day, lose their lives to suicide. So, um, if you can make a donation to mine or anybody's and have a great, uh, great day guys. Enjoy the game. Thanks for that. Les. Yeah, no problem. Cheers, Jim. I just want, before you before you run away, Jim. I'm just gonna say it's gonna be difficult for you to beat this mustache uh, during November. That that's your benchmark for for, oh, for, this, wow. for this for this year. And you know, credit to you for shaving your head when you have a full flow because it augments the mustache. That is dedication. That's something. That's something I've never thought about. Um, little known fact: Drew has Matthew McConaughey hair. He just it's did true. this for emphasis. So Drew also looks exactly like David Cross. Is there any <laughs> is, there, is there any Canadian city that has a more college football uh, guru than uh, Drew Mandel? Like, really? There, there, there are plenty. There are plenty. I, I'm just, I'm just a blind fan. Is, I know is what I am. I know your family ties to Kentucky, and I know you go there a lot. But man, you, you get around to the college football scene, and, and good for you. We got to start getting a bit better corresponding from you on that. Uh, anytime, you know, you, you, I'll be glad to ramble incoherently about more than just the Jets. Uh, college football will be—I'll be glad to do that as well. By the way, uh, enjoy your enjoy your nightmare that you're going to have after seeing that picture for two minutes. I was just going to say the look on your face there looks like somebody said your zipper's down, and there's eighty thousand people here. <laughs> that's what I call a smile. Unfortunately, <laughs> that, that's my cross to bear in life. I'm the Jim. same way. Whenever it tells you to smile, it's always. <laughs> Thank you, buddy. We'll uh, we'll do have it again day, real guys. soon. Yeah, all the best. There he goes. Jim Toth joining us. I want to know my stash ride. Well, you know what? If you play your cards right, as the answer is still no. Uh, when we come back, more on today's Jets Coyotes game. Marty B. Ron at the bottom of the hour. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up and comers too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at rumorscomedyclub.com. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos. Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed analytics to test if the game is better at home or at Boston Pizza. The results are irrefutable. 
Catch the game at Boston Pizza, powered by Fatalytics. So you're a pizza person, you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from $18.99 for takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake. After a great game or great deal, it shows professionalism and respect. Two qualities Zappia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zappia of Zappia Group Realty. Get started at zappiagroup.com. Are you dreaming of your very own backyard rink this winter but dreading the work involved? Well, stress no longer because the rink guys are here to make it happen. The Rink Guys are Winnipeg's first outdoor skating rink installation and rink maintenance service. The Rink Guys offer free site evaluations and different rink construction options. Plus, they use a custom-sized liner to prevent any damage to your lawn. Lighting packages are also available to help illuminate your rink during those long, dark winter nights. To get your rink started today, visit therinkguys.com. Always a great time when it's spent with our buddy Jim Toth. In case you missed any of that interview, it'll be available on the instant replay of the YouTube pro- program or on the podcast edition of this show. It is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg on this Saturday morning. Dun 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 Move over Ezzy's wedding day and the birth of his children. It's the happiest Ezra Ginsburg has ever been. Dave, why don't you tell the good people what is in your hand? Yes, because there are people listening on the podcast, Drew, so they can't see the visual that I'm currently holding in my in my hand, but it is. Uh, a new partnership we're very happy to uh, discuss today. Uh, that is, we're connecting with Farmery, of course, the local brewery here in Manitoba. Yeah. And we now have Illegal Curve Beer, IC Beer, not Icy Beer, but IC Beer that you can pick up at Farmery, of course, located on Donald Street. But uh, yeah, we're very happy about this uh, connection with Farmery. They're, of course, well known throughout. Manitoba, and especially in Western Manitoba, with uh, their bases, it started. I think they have their, their first place was in Nipawa. You yeah, drive by it every time is. you're going, every time you're going to Riding Mountain National Park, you get to uh, stop by and drive past. So the Farmery Brewery and and all that stuff, and they've 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 covered all over Western Manitoba, and of course here in Winnipeg. So we're really hang happy on, to connect on. with. I, I, I'm getting. Hang on, hang on. I'm getting reports in my ear. Uh, they've. They're entirely sold out. A <laughs> short, stocky guy with a beard has bought out all the beer. Is my understanding? Is that I'm a little? You know, dis- it- I'm a little disappointed because I had the farmery uh, box here with some of the icy beers. Now it's not super clear as mu- as much as I'm sh- holding it up now. So uh, yeah, we're very excited to to partner with Farmery. Uh, we're going to probably do some shows uh, at their location on Donald, and uh, we're uh, we're overjoyed that they were. Uh, happy to enter into a partnership with us. And so, yeah, if you want to pick up some IC beer, you can actually get it. It is now available at their Donald location. So uh, that's where we start this foray into the IC beer. 
But yeah, like I said, Illegal Curve Hockey and Farmery, it is a connection, a Manitoba connection. We're keeping it Manitoba, folks. So uh, it, it's delicious beer. I was going to do a tasting with Ezzy. I had a couple couple of wobbly pops in the uh, in the fridge ready to go. But unfortunately, uh, we had internet issues here at my Maison. But uh, we will be doing that live taste testing of IC Beer. Get yours today at the Donald location. I believe it's open at 9 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I'm not entirely certain what time they close. I think around 6. So get there and get your IC Beer uh, in support of IC and in, in support of Farmer. As you, can you, talk, sure you can can you talk about the, your emotions the, right now? Can you talk about how you're feeling on this monumental occasion? There's a, there's, you, you know, your worlds are, are colliding so firmly. Just sort of talk us through how, you, how you're feeling at the moment. Well, first of all, I mean, Dave just mentioned it, but thank you to our friends at Farmery Brewing for making a personal dream of mine come true. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so exciting. I'm not, I'm not sure, like I told Mess that I wasn't going to cry, but I'm not sure if that you guys have seen <laughs> the tears going down my eyes, but uh, I mean, this is very emotional for me, but yeah, in all seriousness, we're super pumped up about this. Uh, and, and also thanks to the fine folks at Farmer for, for dropping off 65 boxes of that illegal <laughs> curve beer. I should probably be able to finish that uh, by the end of the day. But yeah, as Dave said, it's going to be available or it is available now. It is available, Dave, at, at Farmery on Donald. So as soon as the show's over, I'm going to be spending all the money in my checking account uh to to boost up those sales for the illegal curve beer but no we're super pumped about it um we're going to be obviously promoting it on the ic hockey show the post game show on the website um i'm going to be uh asking every single one of my friends to buy at least one case of it uh but it's no it's just awesome. lots of fun and and like dave said we're going to be doing some shows there yeah. uh i don't think we've finalized the shows but it's no. going to be lots of fun and again big thanks great to have farmery brewery on board with IC, two great Manitoba brands. Yeah, so if you ever had any qualms about drinking heavily, uh, but responsibly, at 9 in the morning while watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, uh, those qualms shall go away. You can tip a, a few back while supporting Illegal Curve, while watching Illegal Curve, and then it's just all sorts of great Illegal Curve activity going on. Uh, Dave's face not included with the <laughs> IC beer right well, now. Well, I'm going to talk to the boys at Farmery. We'll see if we can get, you know, I was hoping we could do a contest where one side of the label would have the illegal curve logo. The other side would have like just Ezzy's big grin when we, that big picture of Ezzy when he's smiling and then just have Ezzy's face there, but eating grin that only Ezzy can, uh, can yeah. properly. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, no, we're, like I said, I, I'm really happy. I'm, I'm, you know, you, as everyone knows, love my Manitoba connections. So when we can connect with a Manitoba brand like Farmery, it's uh, it's really exciting for us. And it's a big for illegal Yeah. Yeah. That's he is. True. That is that is true, home of the Stanley Cup champion uh, Shane Knighty as you drive through there and uh, well, there's I a lot of there's a lot of Stanley Cup champions when you drive through the, a lot of these, these yeah, small the towns area. and yeah yeah exactly so uh, anyways like I said it'll be a lot of fun we're looking forward to it so lots of lots of fun things to uh, look forward to with uh, a legal curve and farmery but like I said for now you can get it at the Donald location and maybe in the future some other locations but for now. At the Donald, tell him the legal curve. Well, this is just the beginning. We're going global after this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No question about it. All righty. Let's get back to today's uh, Jets-Coyotes game, which will take place starting at 3 o'clock uh, this afternoon in Tempe, Arizona at Mullet Arena post-game show right around 5.45 or so and uh, may or may not involve a couple of those cold icy beers. But uh, the Jets and the Coyotes, again, we talked about it off the start of the show. This is not the same Coyotes team that has been a bottom bottom feeder uh, 
uh, for the last number of years. It's not your grandpa's Coyotes team. No, not, said not no by a long shot. You know, there, there's still some weaknesses. Let's not get carried away and think that all of a sudden this is a Stanley Cup contending team because they're not. But they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're not terribly dissimilar from the Winnipeg Jets. I think overall, I still prefer the Jets roster to that of the Coyotes. But you look at their forward group and there's some talent there and there's some bona fide. NHLers, you know, up and down the lineup. They have a lot of young talent, particularly in that bottom six. When you talk about a guy like Logan Cooley, who's just been having a tremendous start to uh, to his season, but they also have a veteran presence there on the back on uh, on the on the fourth line, and a guy like Alexander Kerfoot. So yep. there's a good mix of young and, and and veteran. You know, they have some. We know how talented Clayton Keller is, and he's been terrific to start the season for the Coyotes. I believe he's up to uh, ten points. Pardon me, nine points in their first 10 games and Nick Schmaltz has got a point per game so the Jets certainly have to be prepared against this Coyotes team because if they take them lightly for whatever reason they're going to lose the hockey game in my estimation yeah and I think that you know the Coyotes were a young fast skilled team last year but Mm -hmm. I mean the biggest difference I think is you know you add um you add Matt Dumba and you add Sean Dursey on the back end right and Sean Dursey I believe this is his third year or fourth year um, I mean, this is a good defenseman. He had 35, 37 points last year with the LA Kings. I mean, we know that Matt Dumba, you know, he, he, it's been well documented that the Wild had trouble moving Matt Dumba. And, you know, at this point in his career, you could argue, you know, what his ceiling is. He was a first round pick, of course. And he's kind of now like, is he a second pairing defenseman on a good team or is he a third pairing defenseman? But well, the reality he's an is upgrade they upgrade on the Coyotes. Well, exactly. And they've added him. And and I, I think they only gave up a draft pick to get Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. And I was surprised by that. There were little, there was a lot of talk, guys. If you remember before yeah. Pierre Luc Dubois was traded to the King, Sean Jersey's name was thrown out there as a possible guy that the Jets might want, right? And I thought there was no way they were going to trade Jersey. He was, if you remember going way back, he was part of that Jake Muzzin trade between the Kings and, and the Leafs, right? So you're absolutely right, Drew. I mean, th- let's be honest here. The, a, a huge difference, and when you're talking about the Coyotes who are not a team that have superstars, yes, Nick Schmaltz, Clayton Keller, good players. Barrett Hayton, strangely, doesn't have a single point. Isn't it um, bizarre? The top-line center. I haven't been yeah. watching a lot of Coyotes games, yeah. and I don't think a lot of people are. Well, there's 4,800 <laughs> people. Either. Yeah, there's less than 5,000 people watching them on a nightly basis in Tempe, but... Um, you know, there the biggest difference is is Logan Cooley. I mean, you guys probably saw the you know the joke, uh, the I don't know what you call it, meme or gif that the Coyotes like uh, yeah. making fun of the the Canadians obviously for not taking Logan Cooley, but he was an, an amazing uh, college player, and I mean this guy is right up there with any other rookie in the NHL. A lot of people picked him before the season started, Dave, to win Rookie of the Year, right? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of speed and skill and. You know, even though the defense, you know, if you're not going to compare, you know, the Coyotes defense to the Golden Knights or the Hurricanes defense, you know, J.J. Moser is a guy, I believe he was a second round pick. Um, you know, this is his second full year in the NHL. Travis Dermott and Matt Dumba is your second line. And then, you know, you got Yusuf Valimaki and Troy Stetcher, speaking mm-hmm. of University of North Dakota, on the third pair. So the Coyote, and, and by the way, guys, look at the goal differential. <clears throat> as I get plus that, six, uh, I think. as I plus get that pot out of my seven? throat. Yeah, they're plus six and the Jets are minus five, right? Or yeah. minus three. I forget what it was. My, the Coyotes are plus seven and the Jets are minus five. So, yeah, I so, mean... th- so the, the, like you said, Drew, I mean, the Coyotes have guys that can put the puck in the net. You've got veterans Keller and Schmaltz, and then you've got the young guns like, you know, Cooley and mm-hmm. uh, Matias Maselli is a good player. He had a breakout year last year. I think he was around 50 points. Lawson Krause is a good player. And, 
And then we talked about, you know, the fourth line, you've got, you know, young Jack McBain, and then you've got a veteran, uh, uh, the other players, Liam O'Brien, but you got talked about the veteran, uh, Alex Kerfoot, who's obviously been on a bunch of teams, the Avalanche, the Leafs, forget if I'm missing a team there, but this Coyotes team, I think, you know, the Jets are going to be battling with them. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to believe that. And obviously, yeah, we're only 10 games into the season and, you know, Nash, and by the way, the Jets are in the second wildcard spot right now, the Anaheim who everybody predicted is in the first wild card spot. Obviously I'm joking. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think that the Coyotes are going to be in contention for a playoff spot. I mean, you can like it or not like it. Uh, but when you, when you bring in Sean Dursey and you bring in Matt Dumba on the back end yeah. and you add Logan Cooley, who's one of the best young forwards in the entire league um, to supplement guys like Schmaltz and Keller and, and Barrett Hayden. I mean, it's a pretty good team. I don't think they're going to end up making the playoffs, but I wouldn't well, be shocked know- if they do. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all, Dave, if, if this Coyotes team uh, certainly should be competitive. You know, granted, you know, if, if you know, they don't have the depth if they suffer any injuries, but right now, as we sit here today, that's not an issue, obviously, you know, to, to worry about when you're the Jets have to to match them and be ready for a team that is, you know, a, a playing pretty good hockey, scoring at a good rate, not giving up a lot. There's no reason to think that the Coyotes and the Jets, as as he referenced, won't be battling, uh, you know, largely throughout the course of this entire season. 2.0 versus 1.0. Always exciting there, Drew. So, uh, look, it's it's going to be a lot of fun for, look, Coyotes fans, you got to give them credit. I, you might There may not be a lot of them, but ultimately this team has been in, rebuild mode it feels like for a thousand years and it and they're now finally getting out of it now now the only team that's currently in rebuild mode is the san jose sharks the team that has decided <laughs> they'll never win a hockey game ever again but look it's an up-and-coming team and, and as he's right you know for years they've taken advantage of having cap space to take other teams cast offs or where teams couldn't and you know a guy like sean Dursey, who's a guy a lot of players were were a lot of folks sorry were hoping winnipeg could pry out of la uh, has gone and, and made him name for himself in Arizona. So it, it is a tough situation for the Jets because, again, like I said, Arizona is a young and up-and-coming team, so we'll see what happens with them. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good hockey game. And it's, again, it's a team. It's a, not to use a Drewism too much, but it's an attention-to-detail game. This is a, t- a time when Winnipeg, for Winnipeg, sorry, when you're not clicking, you're not firing on all cylinders, and your special team specifically, I should say, because obviously five-on-five, five, we've talked about it, they've been good. But that's one of those situations where you know that the Jets need to be uh, really attentive and not take careless penalties and give uh, Arizona an opportunity to score and, and, and allow them to establish their game as opposed to trying to establish your game. Yeah, there's no question about it. Not going to be an easy matchup for the Winnipeg Jets tonight uh, against the Coyotes team that's been playing some good hockey. I mean, they 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 still have another wave of young talent coming up through their system. So I think the the future is certainly bright in uh, there in Arizona. I mean, you t- look at that forward group. I mean, you you talk about the effectiveness of the Keller, Schmaltz, and Hayden line. Logan Cooley, you know, again, this is a guy who's a, who's a young player, but he's producing. So I mean, I'm sure there's there's issues obviously with him and i mean you you know in terms of some of his uh d zone coverage and and things of that nature that come with uh youth and that come with that you only develop after many years of experience or uh, many games of experience but you know for a guy you know as talented but as young as he is to be having put up eight points already through the first 10 games of the year you know granted seven of those are assists it doesn't matter this is a coyotes team that has 
better depth than we've seen in a long time. And we know how good Vimelka is in net. And we don't know yet the official starting goaltenders for today because it's a matinee contest and a result. There won't be a morning skate, but you'd have to assume that it's you know, likely to be Vimelka uh, against the Winnipeg Jets. And we know how good of a goaltender he is. So this Jets team is not... If they were looking at this game as the easiest of the three on the road trip, they are badly mistaken. I think the St. Louis Blues game uh, on Tuesday night is the easiest sure. of the three. Yeah, but the Blues are what one point behind the Jets, right? None right? Of these so I mean, like that. again, I mean that's the whole thing, right? Like let's not get let's not get too excited about you know the Jets being in the second wild card spot and the Ducks being in the first wild card spot. The Ducks, I would be shocked. That would be a team that I would be shocked if they stay in a playoff spot, uh, you know, come April, but. You're right, Drew. Logan, look, look you, 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 we were doing the show live with Huss, and uh, Seattle could have taken Logan Cooley third overall. Forget the yeah. fact that Montreal could have taken him first overall. Did he win the Hobie Baker, by the way, last year, Dave? I forget if he if he won the Hobie Baker. He had 60 points for the University of Minnesota. So at the very least, he was the finalist. Uh, he might have won it. But, I mean, Logan Cooley is a, a tremendous player. And I thought Adam Fantilli won, but maybe I'm wrong. He could have. Drew's checking it right now. Yeah. Was it Cooley or Fantilli? I think it might have been Fantilli, but, uh, you know. And anyways, go on. You just type in Google and then type in Logan Cooley, Hobie Baker. Thank, thank you. I'm aware I'm, I'm aware how that works. Thank you. <laughs> or if you want to use Alta Vista, that's maybe more of your generation. <laughs> uh, right. But look, I mean, look, Seattle, look, Shane Wright, I think, is going to be a very good NHLer. He's playing for Coachella Valley. It, it was Fantilli who won. So There you go. You know, Cooley okay. must have been a nominee, though. 60 points in 37 games. For the University of Minnesota. I hope he was at, at the very least a finalist. Yeah. Uh, Drew is now he, looking he at was. the finalist. It was him. Yeah, he was definitely a finalist. There you go. So yeah. Cooley's a great player. And like you said, I mean, Keller, Schmaltz, and Hayton, that's a great first line. Um, and then you also had, a, who was I uh, forgetting in there? He's injured now. Jason Zucker. So, I mean, the, they, they have better depth. That's the big thing with the Coyotes. Yes, they're not as good as the Vegas Golden Knights or the Colorado Avalanche. I would throw mm-hmm. in the Dallas Stars. Those are the top three teams, I believe in the Western conference. Uh, but they're right in there. Like there's a lot of teams in the mushy middle, right? Like it's not just the jets, but you would throw in the Minnesota wild. You would throw in the Arizona coyotes. You would throw in the St. Louis blues. who I don't think are going to make the playoffs, but I mean, the difference between the jets and the blues and the coyotes or the predators. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of difference here. The jets, as Jim Toth said, they're a meat and potatoes team that are going to have to battle all year long, most likely to get into the playoffs. Like, I don't know if the Jets finish third or if they finish fourth in the Central. Maybe, you know, they go on an incredible run and, and finish in the top two. I just personally believe in the Central, it's Dallas and Colorado, and then it's kind of, you know, the rest. I think those two teams, in my opinion, are are clearly the top two in the Central. I would agree probably with your assessment there so far. It'll be the Jets and the Coyotes later on this afternoon. Post-game show right around 5.45, give or take a couple of minutes on either side. When we come back, we catch up with our good friend Marty B. Ron, talk about everything going around in the NHL, all sorts of news still to come this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsburg, stay with us. Much more to come. We're commercial-free here for through the rest of this morning's broadcast broadcast of the illegal curve hockey show drew mandel dave manuk ezra ginsburg and our very good friend marty biron joins us on the program marty good to see you this morning how are things appreciate you finding time for us no problem good to see you it's one of those days where uh, the sabers play tonight against the toronto maple Leafs. so i was doing some hockey homework and then i looked outside and i still see a lot of leaves on my yard and i'm like i better get some yard work done too so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Got to do both, right? Can't just stick to one. 
No, or you can just wait for it to snow like I did here in Winnipeg, and now the now the yard work is all go- is all gone, so I don't have to worry anymore. It snowed anymore. last week here in Buffalo, but then it didn't stick, so I thought I had it all covered, but yeah. it melted. So now I'm I'm, I'm exposed with my. Leaves. I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. We'll cover the NHL instead of the snow covering the leaves, uh, Marty. You know, I have to start with this one. You know, the the Jets played the Golden Knights on Thursday night, and the Golden yeah. Knights came away with uh, another victory to improve to ten zero and one on the season you know you always hear about a stanley cup hangover clearly that's not the case in vegas so far this year how difficult is it you know going back to your playing days how difficult is it for them to be doing what they're doing you know starting off the year so strong after the way they finished it last year well, unfortunately, I never experienced winning a cup right. and then having to start another season. But I can tell you <laughs> this. I went to the conference finals twice. And uh, the one time, the first time when we beat uh, Ottawa in the second round and lost to the Carolina Hurricane, the next season, we started 10-0-1 with the Buffalo Sabres. We had that hunger, right? We were like, what happened last year uh, in the playoffs? Unfortunately for us, we had to deal with a lot of injuries. And we sat in training camp what we wanted our goals to be and the goals were really high and often people don't want to put goals in front of themselves because they don't want to the fear of not matching those expectations and i think what i've seen out of vegas with them from the time they got into the league was you know what our goals are going to be extremely high i don't care if we feel like they're unreachable or unattainable, we're going to set them high. And so it's a little bit like it was in 2006, 2007 with the Sabres when we started 10-0-1. And I remember losing in a shootout that, that 11 game. I wasn't playing. Ryan Miller was playing. We got back to the locker room and guys were mad. They were breaking six. And, and Lindy Ruff walked into the room and he put 10-0-1 on the board. And he said, we got to keep going. Like, we got to be proud of what we did. We got to keep going. I think that's what Vegas is doing right now. Like, last year, Vegas didn't have a 40-goal scorer. I think they didn't even have a 30-goal scorer, if, I, if I'm uh, correct on there. But they had a great defense. They, you know, they used five goaltenders. Like, it was about the team. It wasn't about individuals. So, right now, again, it's about the team, and they're, they're playing great. Marty, got to ask you about Connor Hellebuck. Sorry, I had to take myself off of mute there. My apologies. Uh, and I'm sure <laughs> we're going to ask you about other goaltenders. Uh, but, you know, goal save above expected is something that I always look at, and I'm sure yeah. you look at it, and a lot of people who, who cover hockey, and you have to go all the way down to number 40 to see Connor Hellebuck at minus 0.1, and that's just not somewhere. And, and, and granted, you know, he's had eight starts this year, so I don't, I'm not worried about Connor Hellebuck, but... I mean, what have you seen, you know, in, in the Jets games that you have watched? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, every every time Connor Hellebuck allows more than three goals, it's like the sky is is falling. And and just before you answer, I, d- I do believe, you know, he's going to respond with a really good game, whether it's, you know, this afternoon against Arizona or if it's next week against uh, St. Louis. But, you know, as a former N- NHL goaltender and now an analyst, kind of what are, what are you seeing through the first, uh, you know, 10 games of the season with Helly? So I remember working with Frost Wilder and Ben Wilder back when I was junior AHL, my first few years in the NHL, and then with Benny with the Rangers. And they used to always say, no puck through you, no puck through you, like no holes, no holes, right? And that was really important. Like you didn't want to give the shooters holes to shoot at. 
And I watched Connor Hellebuck this year, and a lot of pucks are sneaking through him. And this is not positioning. It is not quickness. It is not technique. It is not anything. It's just having that, oh, I'm going to be a wall, right? Where you feel good. You don't have any holes. And the statistic, and you talk about goal save above expectation. I watched that like, you know, fluctuate throughout the season. Some goalies get really hot and then all of a sudden they climb, they get cold, they, they go down. Uh, but you're right. Connor Hellebuck is usually top five, top 10, right? In that category. He's 40th right now. That's not good. But the other stat that I look for goaltenders, especially a, you know, top number one in the National Hockey League is quality starts versus really bad starts. So there's, you know, I won't bore you with all the details, but hockey reference has that when you look at the goalies, a quality start versus a really bad start. Last year, Connor Hellebuck, 44 quality starts, three, uh, six really bad starts. I mean, that is what you need out of a number one. Give me quality starts, and yeah, you're going to have some really bad ones, but, you know, 44 to 6 is is pretty good. This year, Connor Hellebuck, three quality starts, three really bad starts. I mean, that's just not how it's going to go. So he's been really good in games that he's been good, and he's been really bad in games that he's been bad. He hasn't had the, okay, I'm going to be really good, I'm going to be average, and the bad ones, I'm going to put them aside. Um, so that's the difference I see in Connor Hellebuck. And to me, it's all about, you know, the pucks that go through him. Yes, the Jets have given up some shots from the slot, from re some rebounds opportunities, some deflections. But if you can squeeze the little holes that, that the puck are finding right now in Connor Hellebuck, maybe it's three really good start and one bad start. And you go like this throughout the year and all of a sudden you're in a good place. But three and three is, is a tough place to be. Marty, got to ask you about a guy that fans here in Manitoba got a chance to watch quite a bit. Now you're getting a chance to watch this young man in Buffalo in Zach Benson. What are you seeing from him yeah. through the six games he's played for the Sabres? Well, I, first of all, he was unbelievable at rookie camp. He was unbelievable at development camp. He was great in the, the regular camp. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he's been given an opportunity. Now he's out week to week with a lower body injury and Obviously, they're going to take their time, right? Because there, there's no rush. He, I, he's earned his roster spot. Uh, but if he's not 100%, you know, especially as an 18-year-old, you give him the experience in the NHL, you get him around the guys, you get him in the locker room, in the meetings, but wait until he's 100% before putting him back on the ice. He played with Tage Thompson. He played with Casey Middlestad. He played with Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner. Like, he's getting a ton of really good experiences. Now, Here's the thing. Um, during training camp, um, Brian Duff, my co-host here in Buffalo, said, Marty, who does Zach Benson remind you of? And I looked at him and I looked at him and I couldn't come up with anybody. And then all of a sudden, boom, the light bulbs came up and I said, this is going to pain me and it's going to pain a lot of people. But I see a Claude Lemieux type player in Zach Benson, a guy that's the tenacity that he quick on box. He's a little... I don't want to say dirty, but he'll take a few penalties here and there, right? I mean, it, it, that's how he does, and he's he's got the visor up a little bit. He's got the flow, the hair. He's he's he's. It's funny because I've had a chance to talk to him in the locker room. Very mild, reserved type of guy. Maybe it's the NHL, and he's young and whatnot. And then he gets on the ice, and he has this 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 swagger and this cockiness that comes through, right? So. I think he's going to be unbelievable. Now, 
it may be tricky here in the next little bit because Matt Savoy is ending his two-week conditioning with the Rochester Americans tonight. Tonight's his last game in the AHL, and then they're going to have to either call up Savoy to Buffalo, play him, which means that takes a roster spot, or he's going to have to go back to juniors because he can't play in the, in the AHL. So it'll be interesting to see if both Savoy and Benson are going to stick with the Sabres long-term if it's just one of them. Right now, Benson's on the IR, so that allows Savoy to maybe be there. And then Jack Quinn's going to return in, in you know, December, maybe around Christmas time. So there's going to be some roster decisions, but they don't have to make them right now. It's a good problem for the uh, Sabres to have too much young talent. Marty Biron, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show on this Saturday morning. Marty, you mentioned uh, you didn't want to say that uh, Benson is dirty, but I asked about <laughs> Brad Marchand and his interaction with Timothy Liljegren earlier this week. Was that, in your estimation, was that a dirty play, just a hockey play gone bad? What did you think of the, uh, of, of the interaction between those two? I totally understand that every time Brad Marchand is in one of those interactions and somebody gets hurt, people are going to go crazy and yell at the top of, you know, the buildings. Marchand should be suspended for the year. And I look at that play. What I see is two players that are fighting for a puck. And Marchand tries to get his stick. As a left-handed shot, he tries to get his stick over Lilligren's stick to neutralize the stick. Unfortunately, the blade kept going through the legs and caught the left heel of, of Lilligren, and then he went into the, the boards. Is that a penalty? Yes. Is that a tripping penalty? Yes. Is that dirty? No. I don't think there's any intent. Like, to be dirty, there has to be intent. Or mm. at least, you know, I, I, I thought that something bad could happen. For me, he just tries to get the stick in there to neutralize Lilligren's stick, and it's unfortunate that little grin is going to miss significant time, but I don't see it being dirty, uh, dirty at all. Um, but look, it's Brad Marchand. You know, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. But when I, when I watch a play like this, I try to think, okay, what if it was player X? And I use different level of players. I use the nicest guy in like Philip Deneau or Anze Kopitar, like guys that have won, you know, great defensive uh, forwards or, you know, Lady Bings or whatever. And then I use Brad Marchand and I say, where does it fit? I, I think this one was harmless, a hockey play. A penalty maybe, yes, but nothing dirty. Marty, in a couple of weeks, the Jets are going to host the Buffalo Sabres. I believe it's uh, Friday, November 17th, if I'm not yep. mistaken. That's and, right. you know, we got to talk about the goaltending because not only do I have our, our friend Eric Comrie there, but... It's a very rare situation, as you know. And I remember the last time we talked to you about the Sabres goaltending situation, you've got Hugo Pekka-Lakonen, who started five games. He was in net for the Sabres. So I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, it would be Comrie tonight. I guess it would Comrie's be injured. Comrie's injured right now. Oh, actually. there you go. I didn't so know that. Week to week. So that's unfortunate for him because I feel like Eric Comrie was the better of the three goalies in training camp and through the start of the season. Now the Sabres really wanted Devin Levi to get you know, the first few games and give him a chance. And he played four and look, he, he wasn't great. He was average and average in, in the NHL is not going to be good enough. Right. We talked about Connor Hellebuck, three quality start, three really bad start. That's not going to get it done. That's average. Um, Devin Levi is going to play. I assume tonight, we don't have 
confirmation on that, but Lukanen played last night. Uh, Levi had a little lower body injury, so he was also out for a couple of weeks. Comrie played really well. Danny got hurt uh, against the Ottawa Senators, I believe it was, or was it the game before? Anyway, um, so to me, uh, you're looking at this situation that three goalies is never good. I'll tell you this, it's not because you don't get enough practice rep or whatnot. It's because you don't have enough, you don't get enough game reps. When you are the third guy or even the second guy, you have to split your game reps with somebody else. Like the number one goalie is always going to get the starts and then boom, you know, who gets the extra game and that's tough. But Comrie was for me, the best of the group. Uh, he gets injured. Lukanen got really good over the last uh, you know week and a half he's played in five games now uh he's three and one in in four starts he did lose a game when he came in relief um so i look at they're okay the buffalo sabers are but something's gotta happen at some point you cannot carry three goalies for another season last year at the end of the year they had four i mean that's that's too much i i something has to happen Marty, one of the things here we're looking at in Winnipeg is the idea of a conditioning stints. And from a player's perspective, yeah. I know it's different for goalies and it might be for a defenseman, but there's a young defenseman in Declan Chisholm who hasn't played any games since training camp, basically. Now, the Jets defense has been healthy. The question I have for you is, is there a benefit to a guy like that going down to the AHL, playing a block of games, and then coming back up if they need him, rather than saying, okay, hey, you know, we had an injury or someone played tough, now we got to throw you in. And you're pretty cold at that point. I think the benefit is that if you have a plan, then it's easier to sell it to the player and say, listen, go play this weekend in the American League, play 20, 22 minutes a game, go uh, get your, 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 your bearings back to where it needs to be. And then we're going to call you up and you're going to be in the lineup. Because at some point, you have to, especially with the start the Jets have had, it's not like they are the Vegas Golden Knights and saying, hey, you know what, we're 10-0-1. Uh, no, you may have to get a rotation and get bodies in, and that's okay. Everybody's going to have a little nagging injury here and there. But if you don't have a plan, if it's just, hey, kid, go down, play some games in the American League, and we'll see, I don't like that because it, it just – leaves you grab your bag and you let you you you, you get, get out of the building and then it's like okay when am i going to return and and what is going to happen when i go down are they going to forget about me so i think putting a plan in place is is always the uh, the best way to measure it now the plans can change but at least if you have a uh, you know an idea of what's going to happen it it works best i remember uh, the one year 0506 um, Ryan Miller started uh, played the first eight games of the season. And uh, Lindy Ruff came to me and was like, Marty, we're thinking of having you go down to Rochester. I was a veteran in the league by that point. I had played like six years already. And I was like, you want to play me? Play me in the NHL. Like, I, you know, like you, you've had eight games to play me. You want me to get some action? Play me in the NHL. And so he's like, you're right, you're right, you're right. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you in now. Unfortunately for Ryan Miller and fortunately for me, Ryan Miller got hurt and then I got to play a lot and I went on a third game, 13 game winning streak. So, you know, there's different situations, but, you know, when you look at a younger player, getting some time in the AHL is fine. As long as you let them know, hey, we're going to call you back up. Go for three games. We're going to call you back up and we're going to put you in the lineup. Like, so there's a, I don't want to say dangling a carrot in front of their face, but so there's, there's a prize at the end of the line. Sometimes it's better. Marty, last question for you. 
you know, it, it's different, I would say, between a younger player and a veteran player. But if you're a veteran player on the San Jose Sharks, how are you keeping your head up uh, each and every day uh, throughout the rest of the season? Yeah, that's tough. That That is a really, really tough go. Um, I heard Mike Johnson on TSN basically saying <laughs> that the San Jose Sharks on average this year are losing games four and a half to one. That's mm-hmm. basically like, I mean, can you imagine if you're a minus three and a half every game? <laughs> like you go in thinking we have to try to win this game either seven, four, six, four, or try to win it to nothing. Right. And early in the mm-hmm. season, they got least decent goaltending with Mackenzie Blackwood like was, was was stopping everything but now I mean the bubble burst and that's it's just tough and it's it's tough for veterans it's got to be tough for coaches uh, but also veterans are like okay these years sometimes they come and you know you have multiple years to an experience to build on I hate what it does to young players who already in their you know young NHL career they feel defeated and it builds these these connections inside of you that when you lose one, two, three in a row, your brain goes back to oh, that year with San Jose, we were bad. And, and I hate that. I hate that when it puts you in that mindset. So it's tough for an older player. Yes. Going to the rink every day. You, you'd much rather take a day off and spend it with your family, but the young players, the, the foundation that it builds is, is no good either. Marty Biron is uh, one of our favorite guests. He's an analyst for RDS, for MSG, for TSN. You hear him all the time, and we love having him on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Marty, get to that yard work. We'll see you later on tonight. Enjoy the, the Sabres game this evening, and thanks so much for joining us. I'm like the San Jose Sharks. I'd rather spend time with you guys than going to do the work on the ice or in the yard. So keep me on a little longer. Be careful what you ask for, Marty. You might be you might be stuck here for hours on end. Bye, guys. Thanks, Marty. Thanks, Marty. Marty, the Sharks could use Marty in that. Like he mentioned, you know, my former uh, New Jersey Devil, Mackenzie Blackwood. I mean, I just looked at the Sharks lineup, like. Somehow Philip Zadina is minus twelve. Yeah, it's, it's been ten games and he's already minus twelve. Like I realize plus minus is a, a terrible statistic, uh, but I mean, any just, statistic you want to use will show you that. Yeah, I was, 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 was going to say well, exactly, but just like I mean, like poor Thomas Hurdle and you know some of the other good players, but like you just go up and down the lineup. Like Thomas Bortolo is fourth on the score on in scoring of the San Jose Sharks. How many people, be honest, have heard of Thomas Bortolo? Thank you for putting the IC. The IC beer, Dave, should actually just stay there the entire show. There you go. I'm there you go. Right now. Yeah. We know I you are. Try, try, and, try and at least wait. He's like licking the screen right now. Yeah, he's trying to get at it. I can't uh, wait to take that first sip of that beer. Like, it's going to just, it's going to actually taste like gold in my mouth. Uh, our buddy Craig Morgan, who's covered the Coyotes forever, says it's going to be Vimelka. He expects to see. Well, Karel obviously Vimelka. it's going to be Vimelka. He's the Jets killer. Well, he's uh, six games against the Jets, one point eight two goals against average, and a nine fifty save percentage. Okay, that's okay. Getting, okay, by the way. Let's talk, let's talk about that. Hold on for a second, Dave. I was going to say only nine fifty save percentage in six games. That's absurd. That's like Dominic Hasek type of wizard wizardry. It's pretty damn good. Yes, Dave, you were getting a message of some sort. I was going to say, we're already getting orders. Uh, people are asking if we can ship a flat to uh, to BC. So uh, 
exciting times here for the illegal. Who knew we were going to be beer bandits? But uh, I would drive to BC to deliver. I would spend thousands of dollars on gas. (laughs) Are we responsible for shipping the beer too? I'm confused. We're not. We're not. It's just people don't know exactly the the nature. Garage has turned into actually like a beer warehouse. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, no, you can get your beer, the illegal curb beer, courtesy of Farmery, at uh, at any uh, at the. Donald Street, two number two Donald Street uh, yes. location. So I'm uh, very familiar head on with down that there. building because my kids took dance class there. Shout out to there Bend Academy. They're not oh. a sponsor, but as he can't out. bend, but he can bend. He'll will try to bend say. when he reaches. You guys, flat last time as he bent, he last time as he bent, he split his pants in an elevator at work. <laughs> if you recall correctly, <laughs> after that he hasn't think, bent down once since. No, then. I, I am not flexible. If you guys don't think that I'll be at farmery on donald at like 11 15 yeah buying no. 20 cases of that beer then you're sadly mistaken yes exactly and they've, as, they've already got i'm gonna be record. so drunk tonight as it, opens, already... it opens at noon today by the way noon to 12 uh, noon until 11 p.m don't walk the hours. don't walk run to get your icy beer at farmery oh. brewery at two donald well what i was going to say though drew just so you know is that they've already got some in the in the uh fridge so when you walk into the farmery retail location on the right hand side is a fridge full of delicious. Well, and I will say that, that Chris and Eric, a shout out to the farmery boys, but they hooked us up and they will hook Dave M up because I've got some farmery blueberry drink. I've got some root beer. I've got a whole case of their, for their, they've got an advent calendar that they're pushing there. So there's a lot of exciting things. Head down and down to farmery, Donald street. As Dave knows, having spent time up there uh, earlier this summer, like I did up and I'm actually wearing my Clear Lake shirt. So that addition to Clear that Lake. Doing uh, well. to, yeah, thank you. Uh, the Farmery Outlet there in the in Riding Mountain National yeah. Park, right on the main drag there on in Wasagaming, uh, is a, just a tremendous uh, addition. And I uh, may or may not have visited multiple region, times in, in, my, in my week there. But uh, I did actually. That's how we got this whole thing started was because I, 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 was in the, I, I stopped in there and uh, – Bought to cut myself a couple of farmery glasses, and the next thing I know, we're uh, we're beer baron. So we're excited. It's gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, if you can get on down to the Donald location, as he's talking, but he's muted. But yeah. uh, get on down 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 to the Donald location and pick yourself up some icy beer, and then let us know how it tastes. Family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll exactly. be. It'll be great. Tonight's, uh, we can uh, enjoy the post-game show. You can enjoy the Jets and the Coyotes with uh, ice-cold illegal curve beer. Uh, post-game show this afternoon, 545 uh, after the Jets and the Coyotes game. I'll be here. Dave M. will be here, although he might not be there. He might be at the Moose game. I don't We're know not where sure where Dave M. is going to be, one or yeah. the other. The Moose in action. I won't be joining you, boys. I'm, I'm going for a pedicure, so I apologize about that. I, again, something not... tells me as he'll still be in the chat. He may not be on the show, but something will tell me, like, we'll see Ezzy in the chat. But regardless, yeah, Drew, that's true. The Moose Just are in the action. Are, are you actually going for a pedicure at that time? No, I'm actually not allowed to go for pedicures. There's a picture of me at every single, up, like a wanted poster, up at every place. Not Nobody wants to deal with these feet. No, guys, I'm obviously going to be passed out after I drink 32 illegal curve farmery beers. So I'm not going to be able to do the post-game show. I'm not going to be conscious. There you there go. That's go. the good kind of parent. Put on your antlers. It's time for the Manuk Moose Minute on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. The moose and the ice hogs this afternoon, or as my son likes to call them, the ice pigs. Uh, Dave M., what can people expect between this afternoon's contest between these two Central Division rivals? Uh, well, there are two teams that are feeling good about the game. Both teams swept their series, although um, 
uh, Rockford didn't play against uh, the same team. They beat Iowa and uh, Grand Rapids, I think, last week. So they won against two different opponents, but they swept both their games, as did the Moose. So both teams are coming in feeling good, and we'll see what happens. Chaz Lucius not playing. He's still dealing with the concussion he suffered in that game against Iowa. I think it was October 17th. So you expect him back probably against Laval next week. And then, uh, yeah, other than that, you may see some guys wearing the neck protection. They've been wearing it in practice the last couple of days. And uh, we'll see. It should be a very good hockey game. So, yeah, I'm going to be at the hockey for, I mean, sorry, Canada Life at 2 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully done all my media responsibilities for the Moose. And then jumping, getting into uh, back here for the third slash um, Jets game. And we'll take some of the IC beer to Canada Life this afternoon. Well, I'm I'm sure that I'm sure that I, the folks at the Moose folks will be very excited to uh, try some of that. Although usually I bring a drink with me and I have some uh, outside beverages as usually it's a Pepsi Max, but you know maybe I'll try bring the icy beer. I'll smuggle it in. Well, also you, you can bring some of that Tahiti treat that I smuggled back. I did want to I did want to thank Ezzy actually because Ezzy did bring me back some delicious Tahiti treat from his little uh, trip to Grand Forks. So big shout out to Ezzy and Neo. For that uh, that twelve pack they brought back, it was. Andrew, my, don't the, worry, I brought you back some Funyuns. I just haven't given them to you yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's friendship. The, did Dave actually ask for the Tahiti treat, or did you, you just know that he loves Tahiti well, treat? I, I did know that he loves Tahiti treat, but I did ask him because Dave M is my boy. So yeah. I asked him. He's actually the only person that I brought something back for. So that just shows you, you know, where I place Dave in terms of the friendship hierarchy. Drew, you're somewhere kind of like, but you're like kind of number Mid. fifteen to twenty. Yeah, in, yeah. In the like, rankings, sort of right? like the like, Winnipeg yeah. Jets have been this yeah. year, sort of right yeah. middle of the pack, you know. Yeah, Dave, Rich, and Harder at the top, and Drew. Yeah. You know, you're just happy to be there, really. Well, you know, the real question is, what's my ceiling and what's my floor to bring it all full circle this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show? And Drew, yeah. before we go, I should I, we should mention that uh, just to do a little prospect talk because there wasn't yeah. a ton of moose stuff because they were practicing all week. But Rutger McGordy was the co-winner, uh, leader, whatever you want to call it, of Player of the Month. For October, in uh, for his play in Michigan, he had uh, five goals, ten assists. He picked up an assist yesterday. I think Michigan lost to Ohio State uh, five four. I think, and he had an assist in the loss. And Thomas Millich play, picked up a big uh, Player of the Week honor. He went two one two zero and one. Sorry, in his start in the CHL with the Norfolk Admirals, including his first shutout as a pro. So uh, he's had a good week, as has. Uh, as did Rutgers McGordy in terms of months. Well, and I know that Colby Barlow scored yesterday too. So lots of good things with the prospects. Well, and we have to start talking about, I think, I mean, I think you would agree, Dave, I think there's a good chance we're going to see Rutger playing for the Moose next year and maybe even the Jets. Oh yeah. I think the, he turns the way pro. he's been performing, it seems like the sky is certainly the limit for him. And, sorry, Drew, last thing I'll say. If he plays another, another year in, in college. I mean, I think it, it, it kind of, you get into that kind of like when Kyle Connor and Jack Roslovic we're playing college, right? Like obviously Kyle Connor only played the one year with Michigan, right. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You're right. Um, but, I, and, and again, obviously Rutger McGordy is going to make that decision, you know, with his family and his advisor and everything like that. But I don't think, I, I think, you know, I'm not speaking out of turn, Dave, when I say that, uh, you know, there's a good chance McGordy is going to turn pro after this season. No, I think, I think you're right. But again, I, you can just, and I, I posted it. He did a, a college podcast uh, last week for, it was about ran about an hour and you could yeah. hear the hunger in him to win a championship. That's what's driving him right now. So he feels like they can do it in Michigan. We'll see if that's the case. Uh, really good article in um, I linked it in the papers this morning on Rucker McGordy and his ties to Michigan as a young kid, but uh, really in depth. So that was a good read. I think it was from the Michigan daily, I think, but regardless, there's a link in the papers. Shout out to Gary who sent me that uh, link 
and uh, definitely worth checking out. And the last the one, I should not not the lawman, no. And and I should mention Dominic Divincentis, the yeah. uh, Jets uh, prospect netminder, of obviously the reigning OHL goalie of the year. He is out week to week. He suffered an injury last week, last Sunday, I think in uh, one of the games for the North Bay Battalion. So he is out week to week, but uh, hopefully he'll be healed up and feeling good again soon enough. There's a quick prospects roundup. We'll have much more on the Jets and the Coyotes and the Moose and the Ice Hogs later on this afternoon, right around 5.45 p.m., the Illegal Curve postgame show. Uh, until then, be sure to keep it locked to IllegalCurve.com for all your latest Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose news and audio. If you missed any of the show, it's available. Immediate replay on YouTube. And, of course, the podcast edition is available wherever your best podcasts are available. Be sure to leave us some feedback on YouTube on iTunes, on Google Podcast, wherever it may be. We want to hear what you have to say about today's programming. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, of course, Farmery, the new home of Illegal Curve Beers. Check it out, Farmery, 2 Donald Street. Get your beer. Our friends at Zapia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's, Rollies Transfer, and The Rink Guys support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Dave and I will be back this afternoon. We hope everyone has a great and safe Saturday. For Dave Manoop, for Ezra Ginsberg, I'm your host, Drew Mandel. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.